Hi everyone, Corey Weathers here. I just wanted to let you know that my new book, Military Culture Shift, The Impact of War, Money, and Generational Perspective on Morale, Retention, and Leadership comes out November 14th. However, you can pre-order it now, which means that when November 14th comes around, it ships directly to you. So you can find and pre-order at militaryfamilybooks.com. It's based on more than 15 years of research and offers insights that I've collected from the counseling office, as well as speaking events, consulting projects I've done across all branches and different um, groups of service members and families, including special operations and the conventional side. I also offer perspective on how generational views of authority have shifted that affects a lot of leaders, the impact of the Department of Defense budget decisions on our culture, and also takes a look at emerging social trends and the cumulative effect of two decades of the war of terror on military family wellness, including how social media has impacted our culture, how COVID impacted the culture. And I wrote this book so that if you are a military leader, if you are a spouse, if you're a policymaker, if you're an educator, if you're a clinician, anybody can pick up this book and be informed about not only what our culture has been through, but the state of our culture today and how you can get involved. I'm also launching a limited series leadership podcast that goes with the book as a supplement. So if you read the book and you love some of the topics and you wanna dive deeper, the podcast with the same name, Military Culture Shift, will walk you through extra conversations and dialogue to help you as a leader, regardless of what kind of leader you are, create solutions that will make a huge impact. So you can find the podcast, Military Culture Shift, is already available on all platforms. You can subscribe today. Thanks so much for supporting me, and I look forward to shifting this culture positively with you. And now here is a sneak peek at the book and book podcast trailer. In August 2021, still reeling from an unresolved global pandemic, the U.S. military scrambled to leave a country and cause it had invested two decades in. You know, we were taught to put bluntly two in the heart and one in the mind. But then at the flip of a switch, you're told to go out there and to be nice to people who you've seen as a target your whole entire deployment. So I don't know if we did good, but I know I made it home alive. I'd like to start with a question. What does an American promise mean today? There was a sense of shock at first. When you devote your life and family to a global conflict for that long, war becomes a way of life. What would we do now? As a result of the way that we've left Afghanistan, I think we're on the front end of a mental health tsunami. As 73% of our Afghan war veterans say they feel betrayed by how this war ended. And that's when all the emotion came out. That's kind of need to probably see somebody like this is definitely affecting me more. At that point, I think I understood how my brain worked fairly well. But after this, I don't. And I'm still trying to figure it out. Up until that point, families had endured a significant amount of stress with a high operation tempo of two wars. COVID-19 had been excruciatingly hard for the entire country and world. But I watched the military community go through a sort of psychological breaking point when it was asked for far more than they thought they could endure. The pressure had been building for decades. Despite the Department of Defense's best efforts to address singular issues like mental health, suicide rates, and sexual harassment, families felt largely unheard. 
Meanwhile, threats of conflict with Russia and China were growing, and the new approach to war fighting involved a more dynamic, quick response force ready to compete and deter foreign adversaries. It was becoming clear that there was no peacetime to look forward to. For the last 15 years, I've had the privilege to do life with, work alongside, and study the very tribe I live in. In 2011, I noticed certain shifts and trends in military culture that were affecting the morale of the force and their families. I also realized that these concerns I was hearing were not just isolated incidents, but common themes shared throughout the culture revealing a quickly growing problem of resentment and discouragement. Individuals and families were fracturing in a community I'd come to love. On the outside, an ever-increasing drip of headlines revealed that our culture was not as healthy as it once portrayed. Now every branch of the military is struggling to reach its recruitment goals. The current state of wellness and morale in our military culture is not only a large and complicated problem, it's a wicked problem. The situation the military community is facing after two decades of war, a pandemic, and the withdrawal of Afghanistan is far more complex than even the tally of those very big historical moments on our timeline. It involves additional compounding layers of complexity grounded in cultural tradition, quickly evolving variables of the modern global culture, deep relational wounds, and most importantly, it involves people. If you are a leader of any kind on any level, join me, Corey Weathers, for a new limited series leadership podcast based on the book, Military Culture Shift, the impact of war, money, and generational perspective on morale, retention, and leadership, where we will explore the theories of experts in government, leadership, and politics, as well as the real stories of service members and families throughout two decades of war. Listen in and let me tell you the story of the people you think you know but could know better. What if it was Welcome to season eight of the Life Giver Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Weathers. I'm a military spouse, clinician, and leadership coach. And Life Giver is where I get to spark honest conversations, interview experts, and encourage you with topics on military culture, marriage, and leadership. So give yourself permission to pause and lean in. There's something for everyone here. Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. Today, we are going to talk about the importance of including difficult things, learning new and difficult, hard things in your life, and actually inviting it into your life. I was thinking back on my interview with Angela Duckworth. She wrote this amazing book called Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. Maybe you've seen her TED Talk. I'll um, put links to that in the show notes. It came out years ago. And I remember this was about the time when I was really pushing back on the military's use of the word resilience. I know for me, every time I was hearing that word, I just felt like somebody was telling me what to do and telling me to just have this ability to naturally bounce back from difficulty. And 
I will say that nothing about this military life and me having low adaptability in my strength finder results, did I ever feel like I was bouncing back from anything well. In fact, I felt like, especially at that time, that I really knew I needed to, I guess, bounce forward or grow through it. But I definitely didn't want to return to the state that I was in prior to that difficulty. And I also didn't like the idea of kind of just bouncing back as if whatever this new big change, whether it's a PCS or or some other family change or difficulty, um, as if I should be able to just bounce back without any kind of repercussions or, um, or just being changed by the sheer difficulty of it. And this was also around the second decade of our two decades of war. And we had just gone through a first decade where we had buckled down and been resilient and maybe tried to be really gritty um, and pre- did a pretty good job, I think. I think, But then that second decade, I just felt it within our family, within myself, and also with those that I saw that it was getting harder and harder to be resilient or at least continuously resilient. And it was starting to um, just kind of pile up or snowball and get more difficult and challenging. And so I started to revisit this idea of could we actually be resilient or um, was there a better word? And so when I heard Angela on her TED Talk talk about the power of being gritty. I just loved her definition. Um, and I thought, wow, our tribe is actually a really gritty group of people more than they are resilient or more than they should be expected to be resilient. So grit, according to Angela Duckworth, is this idea that um, people have the ability to persevere through really difficult obstacles when they have a long-term goal and they want to reach that long-term goal so much that they're willing to push through that difficulty. And I love that she also found that grittiness isn't based off of talent or intellect. It's really just about, do you have the ability to dig deep and push through those difficulties because whatever it is that you're reaching towards, that long-term goal is something that you want bad enough. And I think about, you know, most of us get through deployments and difficult seasons where we've moved around or difficult seasons of life because we want to be better, because we want to be transformed by pushing through that difficulty and reaching the other side, or we want to get to the end of that deployment and feel that we've grown in our better because of that difficulty. So grit has always been the my word of choice for our community and what I wanted to strive towards. So when I interviewed Angela, um, this was for the Independent Wellness Summit, so it's not anywhere on the podcast. You'd have to access the vault for the Independent Wellness Summit, which, by the way, is coming back this fall and spring. They're breaking it into two parts, so be on the lookout for that. Um But I interviewed Angela for the Independent Wellness Summit, and she said something that has just really kind of stuck in my mind ever since I interviewed her. She talked about how she in her her own home, in her family, that as a family, they commit to doing one hard thing each, and they hold each other accountable to that so that they reach 
some sort of progress with that hard thing of choice. And so while her kids might take up a sport for a season, while somebody might pick up an instrument, whatever it is that they choose, it has to be something that is difficult that they don't either know how to do already or they haven't mastered it or that it's going to be challenging and that they're going to have to push through some difficult moments in order to reach the long-term goal of whatever it is that they've chosen. And I really liked this idea of doing this in your family because I am learner number six. We talked about strengths in the last episode. And so I, of course, value learning new things. But I saw that my learner had a tendency to pick up lots of things to learn. In fact, I struggled to really hire other people to do things for me because I get really excited about the idea of learning how to do it myself or fixing the problem myself. And so I learned how to code a website. I, at one point, learned how to create the Life Giver directory on that website because that there was a need and a demand for that, which by the way, independent has acquired. You can now find that directory at, um, militarywellnessdirectory.com. It hasn't officially launched. They're still working on it, but it should be launching this year, but you can find that directory there. Um, but the point is, is that I had this tendency to teach myself or want to master gardening and all kinds of things. I actually grew up playing the piano and the violin, and um, I really just enjoy learning. However, what I found is that once I got to a place where I'd kind of mastered it or mastered it enough, I'd kind of put it away and pick up something else. And I've met other learners um, who have that kind of tendency. In fact, one, um, one woman that I was working with one time talked about how she had a whole garage of hobbies that she had started and maybe didn't finish, but it was really more that she was satisfied that she had finished them enough and just moved on to the next thing. So especially when she talked about that, I I not only recognized it in myself, but since then have talked with other learners who have done the same thing. But I think that we all have a tendency to either pick up things that are really important to us and quit them, or uh, maybe we have a fear of starting them to, you know, to begin with, or, you know, wherever you are on that, maybe um, there is one thing that you have mastered in your life. Um, but I would say a majority of people either struggle to master something or they get afraid that they won't be able to master something or they're, they are sabotaging themselves because they're afraid of success or afraid of failure or whatever those reasons are. Or maybe you're just someone who puts everybody else first and you don't have time and you don't make time to do something for yourself. And so even if you had the opportunity, you would A, not even know what you would want to do and B, you wouldn't have the time because you give your time to everybody else. So I think all of us can benefit from what Angela talked about when she said that they all as a family individually choose one hard thing to work on. And I also loved the fact that she that she gave everybody permission to finish that hard thing during that season, and then they could switch to a different hard thing later. Like it didn't have to be something that you choose for life. And that's definitely been something that's been on my mind. I would say in the last six months, the number of people I've talked to where there's been some sort of discussion about being afraid to start or being afraid to make a decision or um, trying to figure out what, you know, if, if it's the right decision and just 
kind of reminding people that sometimes we can make a choice and change our mind later, that it can be a temporary decision, that we can revisit it and we can evolve that decision, go a different direction, say, you know what, that's not the right choice for me, but that sometimes we're afraid to make decisions because we think it's a forever commitment and forget that we can actually change our mind. So what I thought I would do today is share with you what it's been like for me to choose over the last two years, um, not only creating margin in my life, and if if you want to know more about that, like all of season seven was about margin, and it really walked through my process of kind of being a mad scientist in my life and creating more margin when there was just so much I was doing and the world was so loud and taking a whole season, pretty much a whole year to um, carve out more space in my life and what that process feels like, but then deciding how do you actually fill that margin once you create it and how I chose the cello. And I really wanted to share with you not so much about um, the cello specifically, but what I've learned about picking up this hard thing that was really important in my life and what I've learned from doing this hard thing and introducing it in my life and and really making it priority because I hope that it will inspire you to pick up whatever that hard thing is for you. And um, and hopefully some of the things that I've learned and am learning will inspire you um, to think about whether or not some of these things are things that you need to consider in your life as well, not only for you and your personal growth, but also your growth as a leader. So let's start with how do you choose whatever this hard thing is that you want to introduce into your life? And again, it doesn't have to be forever. It can just be for a season. For me, I want to say that I chose the cello, but I actually didn't. I didn't have the courage to actually make the decision to choose to choose the cello. Matt actually kind of um, forced me or forced my hand to make that choice, but he knew that I wanted to do it. I just was having a difficult time um, pulling the trigger on it. And so this was during the deployment, um, and it was actually around Christmas because Matt knew and has known that I love the sound of the cello. I mean, every time I hear it, it just conjures up so much emotion for me. And when I was a kid, I played the violin. And I think I played the violin because my mom played the violin and she gave me a violin. But I remember sitting in orchestra in middle school and high school, playing violin, being in the violin section. And I do I do remember enjoying the violin. Like I remember kind of reaching that point when you're practicing an instrument where you're like, oh, wow, I can actually play something. And that's kind of cool. But I also was struggling to push through some certain obstacles that were getting a little bit harder for me to kind of go to the next level of violin. But I remember sitting in orchestra and looking over at the cello section, and I just remember loving the sound of the cello. And I remember having this feeling that I didn't want to admit within myself that I really wished that I was actually in that section playing that instrument. And I remember like wanting to sit and play someone else's cello and and hope that magically whatever I was learning on the violin would translate to the cello. And I just didn't have the maturity to know that I actually was longing to play that instrument instead of the instrument that I was playing. And I also didn't, I think, want to go home and tell my parents that we were doing the, the totally the wrong instrument and could I start over. And so I just kind of kept quiet and didn't honor that thing within my spirit that I wanted to change and do something different. 
And so I think that maybe that's lesson number one is sometimes you can be working on something and doing something. And maybe some of you are working on something, but you're not fully satisfied. Like it's, it's not quite right. Like maybe you're looking at something else that is similar to it. That is not what you're doing now. And there's something in your spirit that wishes that you could do that over there, but you're afraid to start over. And can I just give you courage right now to consider and listen to whatever it is that your mind or spirit or body is telling you about like, is that other thing, the thing that you actually really want to do? Now I'm talking hobbies here. I'm talking about picking up hard things that could bring growth into your life. We're not talking about, um, you know, we're not talking about affairs or other relationships. I want to make that very clear. We're talking about hobbies, um, and not being envious of someone else's life and making choices that would be destructive to your current life. And even picking up hobbies can become destructive, whether you're picking up too many hobbies and it's creating a financial burden on your relationship. Or if you are um, maybe so obsessed with a hobby that you're not keeping a balance or or the other the kind of the other extreme is you're not challenging yourself at all and that's creating destruction. So we want to be making healthy decisions here. And so if you are doing something now like a hobby that isn't quite right and it's not a destructive choice to consider switching to something else, and it's maybe just about the inconvenience of starting over, then maybe that's a brave choice that you could consider. And so um, for me, it was around Christmas and Matt had sent me a Christmas song of um, a pianist and a, and a cellist playing a song together. And I remember I had just woken up. He was uh, you know, on the other side of the world. And so he had sent it to me in the middle of the night. And I woke up first thing and saw this message and I played this song and just tears were just streaming down my face. And I just, I was so moved by the music and music has always been a huge part of my life and especially growing up. And I told Matt about just how amazing this song was and um, how much I loved the cello. And that's when he really kind of pushed me to consider renting a cello and just trying it. And of course I pushed back and I was like, I don't want to spend the money on it. And I don't know if I have the time and, you know, all of those excuses. And before the day was over, he had rented the cello for me. Um, and it was like $50 a month. It wasn't even, um, a crazy amount of money. Like I thought it was going to be. And he, he just said, go pick it up and just try it. And I'm so grateful he did because it gave me the permission to to just try something new and there was excitement and there was um, just a, a like a flurry of emotions and excitement about this new adventure. And, um, and so he was the one that actually pushed me to have the courage to try. Now, that's my story and that is why I started. But of course, picking up anything, especially a hard thing, is never going to be as easy as we want it to be. There's that initial excitement and we are so excited to jump into it and try something new and the want to be amazing at it. And of course, that's why it's a hard thing because you're not going to be good at it. And so when you are choosing this thing, I think you have to decide first, like, why is it that you want to do this thing? What kind of joy do you want to have it bring into your life? Why do you really want to do it? And this is where you have to visualize doing this hard thing and kind of reaching that point 
I mean, for me taking up an instrument, I had to visualize me in the future playing the cello well, like where I'm happy, where I feel free, where I don't feel bogged down by the um, the elementary, you know, practicing and playing, but that I can actually freely play a song and feel really good at it. So you have to visualize what are you doing in the future when you've either mastered this hard thing or when you've reached that finish line? Like, how are you going to feel? And I think you have to have that in your mind um, and want it bad enough for you to try this hard thing and to apply what Angela is talking about when she said, you have to want that end goal so much that you're willing to persevere. Because the first time I did that stroke of the bow across the strings, of course, it's screeching. And I had to develop calluses on my um, on my fingers. <laughs> and there's a process to it. There's, um, there's pain to it. There is the inconvenience of not doing this in the evening and instead practicing. So there's going to be these moments that are hard. And you have to have that picture in your head and have it be important enough to you to push through the initial difficulty. So I think you first have to ask yourself the question, why do I want to do this? Why is it that important to me? And what kind of joy does it add to your life? When I travel around and I talk about strengths, I ask people the question, go back in your mind to before you had any roles or responsibilities, before you were a spouse, a partner, um, before you were a parent, and maybe before you were even married, maybe you were college age or high school age, and what were you involved with? What did you love that brought you joy? Was there anything that brought you so much joy it could bring you to tears? For me, it was music. To other people, it's dance. I've met other people where it was sports, like being on a team and being in the excitement, playing football, winning at something, like whatever that was that just brought a flood of emotion. And then go back and ask yourself, what was it about that? And do you have it in your life now? Because if you don't, you might be missing joy in your life. And so I see so many adults who get into their careers and then they get into just kind of plodding along in parenting and life and careers and they're trying to find joy and they're they're investing in busy work to try to chase joy, but it's not like a deep-seated joy. And um, I know that, that was for me when I would have this stark difference between listening to music, especially a cello versus the work that I was doing every day. Now, of course, serving people and doing coaching sessions, I have an incredible joy in serving other people. But there was something about music that brought just joy within my spirit that was just personal. And it was not something to necessarily share with anybody else. And it was just for me. And I realized that's what I was lacking. I had kind of gotten to this place where I was serving so many other people that I didn't have the things that were bringing joy just for me that was kind of a gift to me each day because I valued this kind of part of me that God had created to love music. And music is also something that's between me and God. And in my prayer times or my worship times, it always revolved around music. And so that's why I knew music was going to be a very important part of joy in my life. So for you, ask yourself, like, what, what brings you joy? Go back if you have to, to when you were much younger, before you had all these responsibilities in your life. And what brought you joy? And see if there's clues to what you could um, bring into 
your life, that's that hard thing that you could revisit, or maybe it's a new thing that you've always wanted to do. So I think choosing the hard thing has to be connected to joy in some way in order to help you find that hard thing and just be willing to try it, even if it's temporary. Okay, so once you choose whatever this hard thing is, you have to create margin. So like I said, all of last season was about creating margin and space, and it was about the same time that I had picked up the cello. You'll probably hear me talk about um, introducing the cello and realizing all these um, kind of steps that I didn't realize I even needed to go through and creating margin. And so part of margin was saying no to things and creating space in my day, Um, but it was also about how do I insert the things that bring me joy or this hard thing that we're talking about and investing time into this hard thing into my day now that I've cleared space or maybe cleared up some of the responsibilities and commitments that are not bringing joy. Um, And so even though when we go on vacation, we talk about vacation being like this restful place where we do nothing. And when we talk about having rest or having time to ourselves, we often think about vacation and that we just need rest and time to do nothing. But vacation, and our life and vacation isn't always going to fit in our actual real world. And so there's only so long that we can actually do nothing. And so part of creating margin in our life and introducing a hard thing is actually, yes, creating margin, but giving yourself the space to insert something to do that brings you joy. And that actually brings more of a quality of life than just sitting and doing nothing, which is why some of us are going crazy, ending our day, just sitting in front of the TV and wasting so much time doing nothing and wondering like there's got to be something else that we can um, bring into our world other than just watching more TV and looking at our screens. So once you actually say no to some things in your life and create the margin, it's really about protecting that space once you have it. And that doesn't mean that you've kind of blocked off necessarily three hours in your morning. It's just about saying no to some things in your life that gives you the time and space to invite something else into your life. And then I think the challenge is, when during the day do I do that? And so for some of you, it might be first thing in the morning. Others of you, you know, you might have the space to do it in the evening, but that really is the next level of the challenge. Once you've created margin in your life is actually just deciding when am I actually going to fit this in? And that was a huge experiment for me that I'm still to this day figuring out. I can say that I have realized kind of similar to working out. If I don't do it in the morning, it's just not going to happen. Like the day just takes off and there's so many so many things that can happen that sabotage what I'd like to do during the day. And once the world wakes up, it just feels like I have less control to kind of set the boundaries and make sure that I fit in things that are really important to me. And so I have learned that working out a devotional time and also practicing the cello, if I don't do those things first thing in the morning, then chances are, and not just chances, but I have proven that it is more likely to not happen. And that's just a process that I would encourage you to go through or just give yourself the patience to figure out when are the best times to do these things. You may find evenings are great, but that was something I had to realize for myself. And each day that I don't do it in the morning and then the world and 
in life in the day sabotages me making sure that I fit in that hard thing that I wanted to do. Um, every day that that happens, I just kind of not beat myself up, but I just go, you know what? You know this. Tomorrow morning we start again, and those things have to happen first. And so that's part of the process. Um, so now that you have chosen the thing, now that you have maybe thought about how you're going to create margin and maybe you're kind of thinking about when you might be able to fit that in during your day and that you are worth it. Man, that is such a huge, huge piece of this whole thing is that some of you have to like decide that first, that you are worth giving yourself this time. And you know, it's about trying something new. It's about engaging your brain in different ways. It's about starting something new. It's about starting from scratch when maybe, um, and this is something that I'm going to get to here in just a minute, is that sometimes as adults, we think that we have to be great at all these things. And, and then it's really hard to start something new where we humble ourselves to realize we don't know anything about this particular subject and that you are worth growing and investing in and and just um, learning something new. So give yourself the chance and do it for you. And that's not necessarily a selfish thing. We're not talking about the whole world bending around your new hobby. We're talking about you deciding what brings you joy and trying something new and having the courage to bring it into your life and then developing the character to persevere through difficulty so that you continue to do this hard thing and kind of reach a goal or reach some kind of goal. So I want to share with you a couple of the things that surprised me so far in working on the cello that I didn't even know that I needed. And um, man, was this, like I thought I was starting the cello because I enjoyed music and I wanted to learn to play the cello and I liked the way that it sounded. I had no idea that what I actually needed was what the cello was going to teach me about myself. And I'm still just beginning. I'm in year two and I'm nowhere near the level that I thought or hoped that I would be at year two. Um, and, and that's part of the process and what I needed to learn about myself is giving myself the patience that um, I didn't need to be able to master it quickly. There's so many things online. There's YouTube channels and there's master classes and there's courses that are on demand everywhere. And it makes you feel like you can master something in six hours or less. And we have lost the art of trying something new and giving yourself the patience to not be good at something and to slow down enough to um, really do it well and not be an expert immediately. And some of us need that reminder. I know I definitely did, but I wasn't expecting it. So um, that's one of the first things that I've had to learn is the humility of approaching something and every day humbling myself and like showing up to that 30 minutes or that hour that I'm going to practice, humbling myself and giving myself permission to not be good at it. This is a huge, huge step for so many of us. Like I said, you can master anything, or at least you, they feel like you're, they make you feel like you're going to master it. Um, but there's so many other things that we want quick wins on that choosing something hard or difficult or that takes you some level of time or skill, you're not going to be good at it. And that's the point that it's okay to humble yourself and not be good at something for a while. And I will tell you, 
every time that I have sat down to practice the cello and definitely every week that I show up for a cello lesson, um, I have to humble myself. And what's amazing is that my cello teacher, who is literally the age of my son, my 19-year-old son, um, who plays obviously better than me because he started so much younger than I did, But it is such a humbling process to show up to my lessons and not make the progress each week that I wanted to make. And what's interesting is every single week, I feel like I'm beating myself up on the way to the lesson, wishing I would have practiced more, wishing I would have gotten better at whatever that thing was that I was working on during the week. And when I get there, he's actually incredibly encouraging and patient with my progress. It's really me. It's me needing to give myself the grace. It's me needing to learn how to let myself off the hook and actually be okay with the pace that I am learning and also the pace that I am able as an adult learner to apply to this new hobby, this new hard thing, and that I need to weekly and daily humble myself and lower the expectations on myself that it's okay that I'm not good at it. It's okay that I'm not making the progress that I think I should be making or that the world says I should be able to make and that I'm okay with where I'm at for right now. That is so huge. And I think that it applies to our character as leaders and how we lead other people. Wouldn't our teams and our leadership and even our parenting be so much better if we had more patience with everywhere If we had more patience with everyone around us who is all learning and progressing and developing skills to give them the patience to learn whatever it is that they're having to learn on the job or learn in the home, and that it's okay for their level of growth and the pace of their growth. So that has been huge for me. That was totally unexpected is I did not realize just how much I needed to be humbled And that it also made me realize that you can be in a career, especially if you've been in a career for a really long time and you've developed some level of expertise in that career. I've worked really hard for the last 15 years, 20 years to be a subject matter expert on military culture. I mean, this book that I'm coming out with is a collection of all of that research from the last 15 years. And I've worked really hard to get to a place where I know what I'm talking about and that I'm an expert in this field. And perhaps you feel like you have either arrived or that you've gotten to a place where people are asking for your opinions or asking for your advice or wisdom, that you have a niche for yourself. Um, If you don't, that's okay, but you probably have some wisdom that you know about parenting or your, your career or the military or whatever it is that you do. You've probably arrived where you feel like you have something to offer. And it has been an incredible experience to not be good at something and to apply myself every day at something that I am not good at and I'm not an expert in and feel that again. And I think that we as adults start to at some point only put ourselves in situations or in conversations and especially professionally put ourselves in environments where we feel like we have something to offer and we're an asset to the team and that we um, are bringing something of value. And I think we can kind of narrow, um, narrow our environment after a while where we are only putting ourselves in situations 
situations where we hopefully or are likely to be successful. And I think that after a while, that's probably not good for our our self-esteem in that we are kind of only putting ourselves in situations where the world is going to tell us that we're successful instead of the constant reminder that um, that we also need to be okay with not being good at things. I hope that makes sense to somebody out there. And I think that I, especially as a spouse, trying to have a career and have a creative career um, and constantly selling myself to states in order to get a license, um, going to different jobs, trying to, um, especially in the beginning years, trying to sell myself in an interview. Um, and really the strengths approach has been wonderful and that I see my strengths and I know how to manage my weaknesses. But I think that I got to a place where I was not practicing not being good at something too and experiencing that humility, if that makes sense. And so maybe take a look at that in your life and that this hard thing that you choose is the practice of being um, okay with not being good at something and that reminder that we don't have to be good at it fast. And also that, um, that that humility is a feeling that we need to grow more comfortable with and we need to exercise that feeling daily, that we can sit in that humility and still be okay with ourselves. So that was a really surprising thing um, to learn so far. Um, I also learned that no one else is going to value the importance of this really hard thing that I want in my life or make time for it more than me. And so as much as I want Matt or the kids or the world to give me the time and space to work on this, when it comes down to it, like this is something that I have to want for myself and nobody else is going to carve out the time for me to do it for me, but me. And um, when you realize that the world is going to consume your time and as much as you give more time to it, the more it's going to consume, the more you're willing to work overtime, the more your boss is going to expect you to work overtime. The more that your team sees you work harder than they are, the more they're going to expect for you to continue to work harder than they do. Um, The more that you don't give yourself the time to invest in yourself, the more that your family is going to be okay with the fact that you never take that time for yourself. And so when it comes down to it, like you have to value yourself and your time and this thing and what it's going to do for your life first the world is not going to give you that time. So I had a conversation with someone last week where we were talking about just reaching this point in our career where it was time to bring more balance and wellness. And so I've been having these conversations lately, not only with myself, but with other people about picturing what does it look like for you to be in a state of wellness? Like what does balance and wellness look like in your life? Like what are you going to do when you're retired, when your kids are grown and gone, and how are you going to spend your day and your energy and what it, what brings you joy and of course I'm gonna you know visit my kids and and be close with my grandkids I hope and and read books and and hopefully maybe even still dabble in a career but I also picture myself going for hikes and being in nature and and I visualize myself playing the cello and playing it well and I don't know if I'm gonna play it for other people but I picture myself 
just giving myself a portion of my day to enjoy that and enjoy music. And, and when I ask other people about picturing wellness in their life, one, um, we were, we did a marriage retreat this past weekend. We taught strengths, Matt and I, and, um, afterwards I spoke with this one spouse who is an achiever and she loves to get things done. And she said that she tends to pick up, um, the slack of other people when they're not achieving things fast enough. She just picks it up and does it for them so that she can just get it done. But then of course she's burned out. And so I asked her, what would your life look like if you only gave the amount that you felt like you wanted to give and left the space open for someone else to do their part? What would you do with that extra energy? What would you do with that extra time? And she said, I think that I would actually achieve the other things on my list that I actually want to do that I never get to. (laughs) And that's such an achiever thing to say, but it's a good example of how, um, how the world will consume, but also how we will sabotage ourselves and how we have to visualize ourselves in a better state of wellness and then value and want that so much going back to the beginning of what we brought up in the beginning of this episode to value that so much that you then start creating your day now to look like that. So that by the time you get there, it is some kind of, um, it's some kind of normal, like it's what you've been working on so that it is part of your life, that you're more comfortable living your day that way because you've been working on it, you know, for years. So nobody is going to protect your space and no one is going to protect your time and nobody is going to value this hard thing that you're going to bring into your life the way that you value it. So you have to value it and you have to protect it. So the other thing that has been huge in picking up an instrument that I had no idea how important it was that I needed it, especially as an adult learner, um, and it's completely the most perfect timing ever, is that in order to play the cello, you actually have to be completely relaxed in your mind and in your spirit, and you also have to be able to control your breathing, and your body has to be completely relaxed. And... If I would have known that before starting the cello, I don't know. I probably would have talked myself out of it because the truth is I did not have a handle on any of that and I still don't, but boy, do I need it. Like I need that in order to be just well and to function better as a human being. And I had no idea that I was going to have to go to war with my mind and my body in order to make progress on this hard choice. Like, I mean, I've watched so many YouTube videos and worked with my teacher and it is just something that is fascinating and completely rocking my world. And so it's the same thing when you, if you pick up pottery, like you have to almost empty your mind and take out the stress from your body and your limbs in order to throw pottery. And so there's lots of hobbies and lots of interests that in order to learn, um, you have to kind of do something new or kind of sit in your skin and in a different way than you are normally used to, which is why doing something difficult and picking up something new that you don't know how to do exercises your brain, but also your body and hopefully your spirit in new ways. And so I cannot sit down and practice the cello if I'm already stressed, which is why I have to do it in the morning. And my cello teacher has even said, or practice it before you go to bed. And so that has been something that I've had to hold myself accountable and why I need to do it in the morning 
But also, if I intend to do it later in the day, that I need to manage my stress level so that I can actually approach this thing that I want to do and not carry all of my stress into that practice session. Because the more stressed I am and the more tight I am, um, the worse the cello sounds. And then the more frustrated I get and the more discouraged I get. When really, it's not about that I don't know how to play that note or play those two measures. It's more that I actually have to take a deep breath and somehow try to release the stress that's in my body. And so picking up this hard thing has invited um, new ways to learn to control my mind and body and spirit in ways that I had not had to learn to do before. Matt and I for years have had this joke that we have said like every single day, like we should take up yoga. And it was a joke because we actually knew we needed to do yoga and we knew it was something we needed for our bodies and for our minds and our spirits, but we just never made the time to do it. And so we finally in the last month, made the commitment to actually bring it into our lives, not just so that I could master it for the sake of practicing the cello, but just because we also needed to enter into a new stage of wellness that we had not been taking control of in our life. And so like incorporating yoga for calming my body and actually learning to sit in my skin and bring my mind to center, but also using breathing techniques that I knew from counseling and working with people, but had not really mastered, um, was really important. Um, also paying attention to the stress in my body. Like I can show up on in, in a morning to practice, but still feel just this involuntary stress that I'm carrying in my body that doesn't necessarily come from something. It's just, am I able to be present in my body and be aware of the stress that I'm carrying, even if I didn't know that I was carrying it? And so I won't take you down necessarily the rabbit hole of like all of the nuances for me, but I think that the point that I'm trying to make here is that sometimes you are going to choose this hard thing and you're going to have to learn something new about yourself. And maybe that's why you need to pick up this new hard thing that you're, that is important to you because it's something that you need to learn across the board in every dimension of your life. And it's going to teach you something new that you didn't even know that you needed to visit. And so Yes, playing the cello was something that I wanted, but in order for me to actually persevere and be gritty and willing to push through all of the obstacles, all of the discouragement, all the frustration in order to reach that vision that I have for playing freely, I was going to have to master myself. And I was not expecting to have to come to come face to face with myself and find new ways to approach things and address things that I had been putting on the back burner for a really long time. And so who would have known that just this one thing that brought me joy was actually going to invite a whole other level of healing in my life that I didn't even know that I needed and probably would have been overwhelmed if I would have tackled breathing and stress in my body and, um, humbling myself and being willing to not be good at something. Like if I would have known that I was going to tackle all of those things just by picking up the cello, I probably wouldn't have done it. But the fact that I wanted to master something important to me invited um, it at each obstacle 
the opportunity to then address the next thing. And it's continuing to invite just the next thing for me to take a look at in my life and in my spirit if I want to reach that goal. Every time that I find myself sitting down and practicing and I come face-to-face with myself, I'm actually face-to-face with the stress in my body. And do I want to master the stress? Do I actually want to um, have my body control me or do I want to control my body? Each time that is presented a like a mini goal, like M-I-N-I, like a mini goal that I have to face that mini goal in order to reach the larger long-term goal. And it turns out that each of those smaller goals are just as important, if not more important, than the long-term goal of playing the cello in the first place. And so you never know what you're going to have to learn about yourself that was far more important. And then that long-term goal that you have with picking up this hard thing is just the cherry on the top. It's the bonus of everything else that you end up learning about your character um, because you were willing to try something new and because you were willing to um, grow your mind and your spirit in a new way and picking up something different and new in your life. Um, So I needed to learn how to control my body, how to turn off my mind, how to use breathing, how to practice yoga, how to um, sit in my own skin, how to turn off my brain. It turns out that um, the cello and the music actually turns my brain off from work and anything else that I'd be worried about or thinking about. And it turns out my brain needed that too. And so this hard thing became a good distraction in a healthy way that's so much better than TV or Netflix. Doesn't mean that we're not watching TV, but um, for just those 30 minutes or whatever amount of time that I am um, practicing, it's just a different distraction that helps me transition from work or any of those other um, time-consuming or, or mind-consuming things throughout the day. So now let's talk about, just to kind of wrap up, like why why do this? Like... Um, why choose something difficult, especially if you're already burned out, you're already exhausted, and you already feel stretched thin um, with all the people that you're taking care of in your life? And I know some of you are like, I just don't have time for that. And I just want to challenge that. Um, You do have time for something. You have time to bring um, something that will bring you joy in your life. Um, When your career is over, when your kids are grown and gone, um, what do you want to be doing? Visualize for just a moment, what will you be doing with your free time? There's only so many, you know, walks that you can go on. There's only so much shopping that you can do. There's only so much TV that you can watch. Um, And we're always in a place where we can learn something new. It's so healthy for our brains to be constantly um, challenged in a new way. It doesn't have to be an instrument. It doesn't have to be art. It could be um, just anything else that you have had on your mind while you've listened to this episode. You probably already know what it is. And again, if you don't, go back to what brought you joy in the very beginning and ask yourself what brought you to tears or what brought you excitement. And maybe that's a clue for what that next thing could be. If it was sports, maybe you take up um, running or um, a marathon or a half marathon or just something that you can temporarily try and see if it brings joy into your life. More than anything, this is about 
what kind of new area of growth you can bring into your life so that you can stretch yourself in some new ways as a leader, but also as a human being and a person. All of us are more than the roles that we play, whether we're volunteers or parents or partners or spouses. Um, all of those things can change and you have to be okay with who you are in your skin. I mean, again, we don't want to make decisions that are destructive. I have worked with people who have either done nothing with their time and refused to grow and it create incredible destruction in their marriages and in their families. Um, I've also worked with people who have obsessed over hobbies and interests and have also created destruction. I've also worked with people who were so resentful because they had put themselves on the back burner for so long that they um, turned this kind of that they became an entitled person in the home where everybody had to bend around them and their interests, that's also destructive. That's not what we're talking about. Chances are you are someone who has given so much of your time and energy to other people that your family members are inviting you to take care of yourself. And maybe if you already have this hobby and already have these goals and already have this hard thing in your life, then look around you and ask, are my family members getting this opportunity too? So many um, service members that I work with, they have hobbies, interests, um, they have sports that they're doing, or they're challenging themselves in marathons or workout sessions or triathlons or, or whatever that hard thing is in their life, and their spouse doesn't have something themselves. Take the joy that you have in your life um, and how good it feels to reach those goals or strive towards those goals or, or the character development that it has brought into your life and give your spouse, maybe even your kids, the opportunity to experience it. Maybe it's your turn to take a break from it for just a little bit and empower your spouse to do this in their life so that they can experience the same level of growth, but also the same level of um, achievement and um, and sense of confidence that they desperately need. So this should be about taking turns. It should be about empowering each other. It should be about both growing in something. It's awesome when I see a couple doing something together, but it's also okay for you to do something separate. I'm practicing the cello, but Matt and I are doing yoga together. So we committed to doing three days a week where each of us do um, at least one or two um, individual sessions on our own time, um, on our own schedule, and then at least one yoga session a week that we do together so that we're growing together in that area and it adds to our conversation. So it's great when you can do something together, but make sure it's also something that you're enjoying doing on your own. And maybe, maybe it's something as simple as yoga, right? Like it doesn't have to be, that can be a hobby. It doesn't have to be, again, a musical instrument or something that you take up that's huge, right? And remember, it can be temporary. You can always change your mind. Hopefully it's something that you continue to grow in as you as you invest in it. But just keep in mind that it's just something that you can do temporarily. Um, when I rented the cello, I made the decision to rent it for, I think, six months. And at the end of six months, it was actually my son that sat down with me that did the math that actually said it would be cheaper for me to purchase a really good, decent cello than for me to continue to rent. And that was such a scary moment to make a purchase instead of renting because renting meant I could give up on it. But to purchase it, it meant that I was changing it from a temporary goal 
to something that I was actually ready to invest in and actually make a long-term goal. And so know that you can do something temporarily, um, but there's all these markers that you go through, these gates that you go through where it's time for that like leveling up and that there's opportunities to change your mind. And there's also opportunities to invest deeper and to deepen your commitment in something that shapes your mind and your heart in a new way. I've so enjoyed being successful in my career, but also having something that is just for me. I have no plans to to like do a recital or to play in front of anybody right now. And I love the fact that it is my choice, that it's not something that I want to entertain other people with. It is just simply 30 minutes to an hour every day, if possible, for me, for me to grow, for me to take a look in that mirror, for me to learn something new, for me to have that healthy distraction, for me to challenge myself, to push through um, any fear that I might have, um, to push through my expectations that I should be better at it than I am, and to face all of that for the joy of the sound that it makes, especially when I play a really good note, (laughs) even if that's just an open string. So I hope that this was helpful. I hope that it gives you something to think about. Um, Choose one hard thing to try. Maybe just have it be a temporary choice. And I would love for you to reach out to me and tell me what that thing is that you're going to try. Um, Matt was an artist when I met him. He did photography and pottery. And not too long ago, I just gave him, I bought six lessons to throw pottery because he hadn't done it for so long. And it's just six lessons. Six lessons for him to try out and see if it's something he's still interested in. And he tried a few lessons and he realized that's not the thing that he wanted to do anymore. And he switched to rock climbing, which was one of his loves when he was in college. And so um, don't be afraid to change. Don't be afraid to discover something new about yourself. The point is, is that going back to Angela Duckworth, number one, It's really good for us to be doing hard things that require us to leverage grit, which is the ability to persevere through obstacles and challenges, even when they're discouraging, even when we have opportunities to give up, to like find that grit, to push through the obstacle, and to instead persevere because of the long-term goal, which is whether it's a six months of trying this new thing or whether it is something that you really want to have in your life to bring not just quality of life, but more joy because it's always something you've pictured yourself doing and having in your life um, just for the sheer sake of joy and truly living in the moment. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode. I'll see you in the next episode where I have an incredible interview with a couple who has gone through their own version of a very difficult season in their life and have grown through it as a couple. And so I knew that talking about choosing hard things was the first conversation that we needed to have. But the next conversation is what do you do when hard things are introduced into your life? And it was not of your choosing. And you have to figure out how to find the grit to move through that and become better because of it. So I'll see you next time for the next episode. Thanks so much for joining. And thanks so much for sharing this podcast with someone you know. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast or leave a review so others can find it as well. 
Were you thinking of someone else who would benefit from hearing today's episode? You can be a life giver to them by simply sharing it with an encouraging note. If you'd like to connect with me or find out more about my work, you can visit www.coryweathers.com. 